welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Let's read. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he arbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father... Father, thank you so much that you're a God who does speak to us, a God who is with us, a God uh, who is loving, and a God who has revealed himself to us in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, um, so much for uh, gathering us here this Sunday morning so we can hear it and receive your word. And we pray that your spirit will be at work moving our hearts to, to know you and hear, hear you and to, to live for you ultimately, uh, a life that does uh, honor your name, a, a, a life that is about love, a life that is about um, the gospel. I pray for that now in your son's name. Amen. Uh, like Eunice said earlier, we start the year with New Year's resolutions, don't we? We often, uh, even if we don't, we, we often spend this time reflecting on the year gone by. It's a quiet season for many of us. Um, those, those, that week or two weeks after Christmas, we, we reflect on the year gone by. We reflect on ourselves, on our, on our feelings, on our relationships with others, how we're going, how we'd love to uh, improve in the new year, or what we'd hope for as well. And, and this last week, Heidi and I, we've been reflecting a lot on our, on our highlights for 2023. And most of the things we've, we've loved and enjoyed in 2023 actually centered around parenting our little girl, Tilly, Talitha. She's, a, she's two and a half years old, and I, I didn't realize how much I'd love being a girl dad. I love being a girl dad. And I'll do anything to love her. I'll do anything to love her and see a smile on her face. I'll happily give up two weeks uh, of sleep to bring her overseas. We went to Taiwan last year so she could see a panda in a zoo and taste amazing food. I'll pack our entire house. I've taken her to Sydney to see her family, her great-grandparents in Sydney, Heidi's side of the family, where Heidi grew up, the home she grew up in. She loves dinosaurs. I'll take her to a museum to meet one. She loves swimming. I'll sacrifice our clean car and bring her to the beach and sand everywhere. She needs cuddles at 2 a.m.? I'll stay up all night for this girl, you know, rocking her till my back hurts to make sure she feels safe. But you know what's sad about all this? She won't remember. She won't remember the first two years of her life, our time together, or the things we did for her to, for her to, to, to know that we love her. Heidi was uh, lamenting this, and so she wrote this, uh, a poem, some words, uh, a reflection called The Tiny Years. This is what she wrote, and it's on her social media if you follow her. She will soon forget the tiny years of squishy huggles, midnight snuggles, and Vegemite painted across dimpled faces. She'll forget our milestones and mountains, the joy of firsts, feeds and breaths, words and steps. She'll begin to see our warts and flaws, forgetting the years when we were once big enough to be her hero. The wonder of parenthood is that we not only get to hold them through the tiny years, we get to remember them. 
you know, we grieve the tiny years, but we hope everything we've done is building a foundation of love for her, of course. But it's helped me to appreciate my, my parents more and more, to see how, to, to consider how patient and unconditional their love was for me in those early days, in my tiny years. I think about my parents. It's made me wonder, uh, what did they have to go through to raise me and my five sisters, I have five sisters, in a new country as immigrants 40 years ago? Uh, I wonder how much has been forgotten by me and never really acknowledged as well. The sacrifices they made, the patience they had, the love that they showed us. Yeah, my parents weren't always perfect, and no parent is, but it also pointed me to, to think about, reflect on my relationship with God. If that's my parent and the sacrifices they made for me, what about God the Father, who is perfect? How much more has He done for me? As, as God's child, do I frequently remember the ways that He has loved and shown up for me? Or do I spend time taking advantage of His love? Do I doubt His love because I've forgotten who He is? and what he's done. Have my circumstances or ongoing pain perhaps or suffering caused me to doubt God's goodness? Uh, for some of us here who have been Christian for a long time, have you grown apathetic and, and lukewarm because you've forgotten your tiny years, the goodness that comes from knowing God? God knows that we're a forgetful bunch. And this is why the Psalms are like this, that they're here to, to share the emotions and feelings of the Christian, the, the person who knows God, and they exist to remind us of who He is, what He's done, and why we give Him praise. Psalm 103. As we start another year, 2024, today I hope to remind you of your relationship with God and give you evidence of how much He has loved and cared for you. And if you're not a Christian here today, I'm so glad you're here with us. I do hope that through this talk today, you'll get to know this loving God that we worship here at church, at Providence. See, that's essentially what this psalm is about. It's a psalm of remembrance of who God is and what He's done and why we give Him praise. I'm going to need you guys to have your Bibles open today. I'm going to spend a lot of time in Psalm 103. I want to look through the passage. I want you to follow along with me. I'm not going to always have it on the screen, so follow along with me. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 2. It says this, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all His benefits. We need to be reminded first of God's goodness and greatness, his, why he's, he's the Holy One, why He deserves the praise. Uh, in other translations of the Bible, you might, read, you might have read or heard this, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's this idea of giving praise to the Lord. And the writer here, who's writing the psalm for us, his name is David, he's a king, king of Israel at the time. And it, uh, it, it'd probably be true that most people during his time were giving him praise because he was the king. He was a great king as well, and so people were giving him praise. But what he's doing, he's redirecting that praise. Here he's praising God. He's, he isn't praising God as well for all his material wealth, his prosperity and health, his, his status and his privileges, although he could. He's not saying, thank you, God, for my riches and my career. No, he's praising God because of who God is. He's praising God because of his holy name and how God has blessed him spiritually. And hear this, he's, he's talking to his soul. This man is preaching to his heart. He wants to remember who God is. He wants the deepest parts of him to know and relish in God's goodness and then let that overflow to praise. I imagine this to be a bit like a, you know, a meditation, right? You're, you're slowing down, you're reflecting, journaling perhaps. You're allowing your soul to soak in the truths about who God is and why He's worthy of our praise, preaching those truths to your heart. And he begins this with, with this reminder, let's put God at the center of everything. Let's put God, His holy name, on the altar of worship. Let's not forget His goodness in our lives. Because the truth is, it's so easy to be forgetful, isn't it? 
We can have really high IQs, really academically smart, be really, uh, really great in our profession. But we can all, every one of us here, still be forgetful. I mean, I reckon the smartest, of one, you know, the smartest one in the room would still leave their keys in the pantry at times, right? Do you ever do that? You find your keys in the pantry or the fridge, and you're like, Why, when did I do that? You forget where the remote is for the TV. I had friends um, print me out this sign to put at my front door. Have you remembered keys, wallet, phone? I don't know. I always forget one of those. The three, I, I usually add glasses to that too. I always forget my glasses when I walk out of the house. You know, we forget things. Sometimes we're just like these little toddlers forgetful of who God is, forgetful of the experience, the feeling, or the, the peace, perhaps, that we felt when we first had our eyes fixed and our heart open to the goodness of God in Jesus. Perhaps you forgot what that felt like, that joy and peace, the hope. You know, the stuff that we hear at Christmas time, we hear that every week, don't we? We should be hearing that every week about Jesus. But because you're, you're stressed and you're busy with life, your, your social calendar is always packed and you're trying to find time for yourself, you've lost that peace. Or perhaps you're, you're feeling down and lonely. You might have shame in your life. You feel lost, anxiety, whatever it might be. And God isn't who you thought he was when you first came to know him. Have you forgotten God's goodness in your life? Do we go each day with just the motions, thinking that we're just doing everything that we're meant to do as a Christian, but your heart actually isn't connected or engaged with God? This, this psalm begins with this meditation for our hearts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord by remembering, not forgetting God, how he's blessed us in our lives. What precisely is that? Well, verse 3 to 5, it says, well, this is what we're meant, we're, we're meant to remember. Verse 3, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. We can't forget his salvation for us. That's the first thing. The Bible describes our human condition as being uh, dead in our sin. That's our spiritual condition. We need healing from our infirm infirmities. We need to be rescued from the pit. It's this language here. It's all, it's, it's all you know, poetic language here to describe where we are spiritually with God. We're very distant from Him. We're, we're in a pit, essentially. I knew a, a, a guy in, uh, in Sydney when I was at Bible college with him, uh, and he told me his story about how he used to work at the cross, King's Cross in Sydney, which is the red light district in Sydney. He began with small-time drug dealing. Uh, the business started booming for him. He was making heaps of money, throwing heaps of parties, taking a lot of drugs himself, and he found himself, literally his words, in a pit that he couldn't get out of. And over time, that pit just got deeper and deeper. And he shared this story with me, his, his own personal testimony. He told me that God reached out into that pit and pulled him out that God showed him his grace and his love for him in Jesus, his forgiveness. God called him from a life of sin to a life of praise. Now, you might not be able to relate to that. Your life hasn't been as dramatic as that. But surely, at times in our life, we felt distant from God, haven't we? We felt that darkness, the dark places, where we've hit rock bottom in life at times, where we felt lost and uncertain, or the feeling of, man, my life is a mess, and I don't know what to do where we just need to be rescued at times. You see, the way the Bible describes our lives is that our sin is so blinding that we're unable to save ourselves from the, the sin in our lives. The, and the reason why we're in this pit is because we give ourselves over to that sin. Yes, it, it looks like pride and selfishness and greed or lust, but really at the heart of that sin is a life where we don't want God. 
where we choose to distance ourselves from him, where we look to our own devices for pleasure, for security or freedom, and then find ourselves lost and trapped at a dead end in a pit of anxiety and despair because we've turned away from the God who provides all those good things. Sin separates us from this holy God. And you see this amazing truth of the Christian faith? God takes the initiative with us. He reaches down into that pit. Nothing from us, nothing in us chooses God. Nothing in us is deserving of God either when we spend our whole lives rejecting Him. You could be a high achiever in your field, high distinctions, whatever. You've done a mountain of good works in your life, charity and all that. But no amount makes us, any of us, good with God. If you were going to put your good works here on a pedestal and compare it with God, we'd have no chance. We wouldn't be able to stand. He's perfectly holy in every way. You know, too often in life we do that. We give glory to ourselves and not His name. We think we can rescue ourselves from our own sin, from, from this, this, this sorrow and despair that we feel in life. But there is no getting out of that pit. We're spiritually dead before God. And so why does David speak so highly of God? Why does he want to bless His name? Because God is the God who saves, the God who takes initiative to save us. He rescues us by His own gracious initiative. It's by grace that we're saved. This isn't some airy-fairy Christian thing, you know, like the, oh, God just clicks his fingers. No, it took the sacrifice of the Son of God. It actually took the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, who gave up his life as a substitute for you and I to rescue us. That was the initiative he took. He didn't do it because we earned it, but because of his gracious love. Gracious love, undeserved favor that God has given to us in Christ. Uh, we went through 1 John last year, 1 John 4. I've got this on the screen as well. Uh, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God took the initiative in love. He made the first move. Can you see the grace at work there? This is why David sings this praise, this, you know, sing praise to God. I remember having a, a time when I was having a conversation with a, another friend of mine when I was in my late teens, and I, I just became a Christian, and it seemed more like a debate, but she, she was a Muslim, and she uh, got to a point where she got really fed up with talking to me about Christianity, and she said, Mikey, look, we believe in the same God at the end of the day. Why are we, why are we talking about this? Why are you trying to convince me otherwise? And I was young, and I was very new to my, to my faith, uh, and I knew at the point I just had to shut my mouth, but if I could do it all again in gentleness and, and winsomely, I'd help her to see that there is actually no other faith or religion in our world that speaks of a God who reaches down and rescues us in grace. Not by anything we've done, but rather because of who He is, His character. He's a God who saves by grace and grace alone. Let's not forget His gracious salvation. But coming back to the psalm from verse 6, he goes on, and, and I'll read a big chunk of it to you just to savor the words a little bit here. Listen to the words of God, His, his care for us from verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Wow, so much 
So much love there, isn't there? So much compassion and grace. Let's not forget his compassion, gracious love and compassionate love. Here he mentions uh, Moses. There's a mention of Moses there, the people of Israel. That's, uh, if you don't know, that's a, a moment in history where God worked powerfully uh, in love to rescue his people Israel from slavery in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Exodus. Yet they still, what happens is they still in their pride, they act sinfully against God. They end up in the wilderness away from Egypt and they're wandering there wandering in the wilderness, and in, that, in those moments, they're disobeying God, they, they worship this golden calf, they complain against Him, yet God still leads them, He still cares for them, He still provides for them. And so that's, why, that's what David is getting at here. He's compassionate and gracious. He sees his, his people as being stubborn and obstinate, but He still shows love to them. And that's this idea, you know, He's slow to anger, He's abounding in love. Yeah, we, we've seen that. We've seen that in history with the people of Israel. And, and so David remembers the past. He doesn't want to forget how God has worked in history. A compassionate God, seeing people who are lost, who are needy, who are suffering, and feeling concerned for them. I love how David sings about this. Let's not forget about his compassion. So amazing, isn't it? Great, great, it's, this, it's, it's, it's sort of like he breaks out in this moment, right? Like he's, he's talking about God's love and, and, you know, like in a Disney movie or a Bollywood movie, you fall in love and all of a sudden you start, start singing and just, that's what he does. He's just breaking out in this song of how much God's love and how great that is. The sense of great respect of glory and majesty. This, this, he doesn't know how high the heavens are above the earth. He doesn't have the Hubble telescope like we do, you know, how great our big universe is. If we were going to translate this in today's term, it's like his love is, is, is so far across millions of galaxies and light years. That's how great his love for us is. His love for us is so grand that our sin, our transgress- transgressions, verse 12 says, has been taken away from us from as far as east is from the west. That east, east and west like never meets, right? It's infinite. That's, that's how far our sin has been removed from us. God loves us so abundantly. And so we're given this picture of this never-ending really ocean of God's love. There's never ending ocean of God's love. His love is immeasurable. But David tries to give us something more concrete to picture it. He describes the compassionate love of a father to his children. The compassion I described earlier where, you, you know, you have a child and you realize, you know, they're never going to, in those moments at least, you know, they don't express that love that you want them to express, but it's compassionate love. You know, when, when God talks about a father, uh, he's not talking about learning that, that God learns how to be loving by watching human fathers. That's not what he's saying here. It doesn't mean that God wonders whether he should be compassionate and then notices, oh, that father's doing a good job. I'm going to do what that father's doing. He's, it's not what he's saying. Because honestly, our fathers, you know, we're all human and we're not always perfect. It says, when you see a good father, what you're seeing is a picture of God. Or put another way, God designed human fatherhood to be a portrait of himself. That's what good fatherhood looks like, a picture of God's compassionate love. And this part here where it talks about fearing God, well, it's an acknowledgement, isn't it? It's acknowledgement that God is, is not just some cuddly teddy bear. He's also powerful and holy and so awesome to us that we wouldn't dare to run away but to come to him humbly, reverently, without presumption that God owes us anything, but with brokenness and surrendering ourselves to his compassionate love and rescue. See, this love of God and from God is, is something we can't forget. It's the engine room of our faith. It shapes and changes everything. His gracious and compassionate love for us in Jesus. You know, the, the beauty of the Bible, it tells us that 
the beauty of the gospel is that it tells us that when we were still sinners, when we were undeserving of salvation, God showed us this gracious and compassionate love. It's a big game changer, isn't it? There's another verse here in the, in the New Testament in Romans chapter 5. I've got on the screen. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies. You know, it wasn't while we were good boys and girls. It wasn't when we had our lives together, when we were on that career track to becoming, you know, CEO, whatever it is that you're aiming for in life. It's while we were still sinners, while we were still broken, while we were still rejecting God, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. That's the good news of the gospel, the compassionate and gracious love of God. Tim Keller, uh, he's a, a pastor in the U.S., has passed away now, but uh, he's got this quote, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. You know, it's a summary of the gospel, isn't it? Jesus on the cross was the greatest act of unconditional and compassionate love in our history, in the history of our world and humankind. We'll never truly grasp the, the magnitude of it. We'll never truly grasp the magnitude of how high the heavens are above the earth or that east and west will never meet. Jesus' love for us is infinite and endless. Now, what do we do with his truth? There's a response of obedience here in this praise of, of his love. Verse 17 to 18 in, your, in Psalm 103 in your Bibles, it says this. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. See, what this means is that faith in our Redeemer must be real. Faith must be real, friends. That means, for us, that means real trust in Christ, submission to his, real, uh, to his rule, a, a treasuring, a real treasuring of his worth in our lives, him being at the center. It looks like obedience to his promises, that's fruitful faith, not just lip service, not just routine, not just going through the motions passively, actual active faith. Obedience, our obedience, our righteousness, imperfect as it is, shows us that God has saved us. Shows us that our faith is real, that we truly believe in this God, that we truly believe in the gospel, that we've been saved from our sin out of the pit by his love. There is no room for being a Sunday Christian here. You know, and I think there's something, there's something here that we forget over time. Again, we go back to being tiny toddlers in our faith, the tinies, not, not truly actively growing. Yeah, we, we take the gospel and we say, yep, I believe in this but not willing to repent of our sin, not willing to reflect on our hearts, not willing to acknowledge it, to be teachable, to be humble, to receive feedback before Christ. We think once we say we believe in Jesus that we can just go back to living our normal lives. Is that actually faith? You know, faith, faith isn't just lip service. It's not just being a Sunday Christian. It's all of life. It's 24-7. It's everyday trusting in Jesus. Faith is where our lives, our bodies, our words, our thoughts, and our actions, our very soul has been captured by the grace and love of Christ. Lives transformed in obedience and repentance. Hearts exploding then with praise. You know, I always have this image of a preacher who once said this is, you know, love has come down. Our, our hope and our joy, our peace it's been, has been filled and praise overflows, right? Love has come down now. Joy has been filled and praise overflows to this God. You know, when we think about the gospel, that's what's happening. 
we actually acknowledge the God of love and the God of grace who has saved us. And so this psalm finishes where it began, doesn't it? In verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. What do we do? Praise the Lord. The psalm begins and ends with the psalmist preaching to his soul to bless the Lord. So focused on praising him. Will we forget this truth about who God is? Will we forget his act of love for us? I wonder as we start our new year in 2024, what if one of our resolutions, if you have one or want to try at one, could be a bit more self-talk. You hear self-talk, right, in in the self-help books. You know, you hear it in your, if you ever do yoga or something spiritual, new age-ish. You hear that stuff, that inner monologue. You capture those moments, tell yourself you're doing a good job. And you do it to boost your confidence sometimes. You do it to, to calm your nerves. You know, I always say, Marky, you're not an idiot. You're not an idiot. Marky, don't worry what people think about you. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Slow down. Slow down. You say something dumb. <laughs> I always do that, right? Not always, but sometimes. Um, there's that self-talk we have in our minds, that inner monologue. And it's helpful sometimes, sure. But what if we could do this? A bit more of this one. Preaching to our hearts to praise the Lord. Preaching to our hearts to praise the Lord, to take hold of those moments through each day and to tell our souls, let's praise the Lord for what he's done in our lives. Say it out loud, praise the Lord. Make it part of our vocabulary. Because this is what I've noticed in my life and the lives of, of other Christians when this happens. You know, I meet Christians all around the world and I, I've noticed when the ones who are praising the Lord and, and have that, uh, that at the center of their lives, I've noticed something. I've noticed more contentment when there's dissatisfaction and FOMO. I've noticed there's more forgiveness and love when there's hurt or bitterness that's, that you might be holding on to. I, I've noticed more peace and joy in times of hopelessness. You know, when our soul praises the Lord, we remember a God who has loved us in our weaknesses, saved us when we were lost, given us peace when we felt hopeless. And when we remind our souls that God is good, we remember the cross of Christ and how deserving we are of his compassionate and gracious love. I'm not suggesting you do this like just like a chant. I'm not saying that. Don't do it like some magic formula that if you just chant this mantra every day, you know, your life will change. That's, that's silly. I'm not saying that. Don't do it if it's fake or disingenuous or, you know, whatever, insincere. I'm saying preach it because you believe it. Because you believe you're recalling the ways God has blessed you in Jesus. Say it because you believe he loves you and has loved you at your worst. Say it because it's true. And there'll be seasons in your life where it'll be hard to. In a couple of weeks, uh, we've got someone coming to preach from Psalm 88. And it's a psalm all about grief and trials. And there are seasons in life. You'll read through it if you in your own, read through it in your own time. You'll read through it and you'll realize it's so heavy. There's so much darkness in it. Praising the Lord might not be your first response in those moments. And that's true. That's fair. But we can still trust. And we can still cling to. And we can still run to the God who has compassionate love for us in those moments. As I started, you know, the truth is we're all human, aren't we? And that means we will forget in life. We're so eclipsed by the immediate around us. And at times, our, our fire for God will get extinguished. At times, the, the drudgery of everyday life will lead us to slowly drift away from the truth of God. And just like a toddler, our brains, we're finite, aren't we? We're limited. 
and we've forgotten the experiences we had when we first met God or the times he's worked in our lives. But hey, there are some things that we can keep coming back to. God gives us his word to remind us of his truths. He gives, he gives us this, our church family. The church family are community people who we can talk to, who point each other to Jesus. And he gives us the gift of prayer where we can talk to God regularly. Maybe there's some things you want to access this year as you think about how can I praise the Lord? How can I be reminded of the good truths about who he is and his love for me? Keep accessing those graces of God. Keep returning to who he is. Grow deep in the word and in obedience and make him part of our everyday. And keep preaching to your soul. Praise the Lord. Praise his holy name. Let's do that in prayer now. Father, we praise you for you are good and you are great. You and your love sacrificed your son for us so we could know you, know, know your love, know the beauty of who you are as our creator and as our king. And may we savor that truth each day. May our hearts be enamored by your grace and compassion and mercy for us. May these truths, Lord, sink deep, be constantly renewed and recognized each day as we live a life of praise to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.